Hi everyone, welcome to the Swing for Defenses podcast. I'm your host, John Luke. As always, this is episode three of the Swing for Defenses podcast. Today I'm joined by Jeremy Mitchell. Um, this is a pre-recorded message before we get into the interview. Um, I would like to say sorry on behalf of myself, obviously, for the fact that I missed the deadline last week with regards to posting the podcast and uh, uploading. I admit that it was my fault. I couldn't find the fighter on time, unfortunately, to um, be interviewed. But uh, and I, I, I thought about, I generally did think about recording one myself and giving my and my opinions about um, what was in the headlines. But to be honest, um, I don't want to just add to the long list of opinionated podcast hosts. So um, uh, today, my guest is Jamie Mitchell, as I mentioned. Um, uh, he is three and one as a professional. He has a very long amateur record of fourteen and seven. Although on typology, um, it says that he's seven and seven. He told me in the interview that you're going to be hearing later on that his record at amateur is much more extensive. Um, a bit of uh, what's been going on. I would like to say, obviously, well. Not obviously but at the moment it doesn't seem like i could upload good quality videos as as with regards to the interview so um from now on the podcast will be completely um audio based that will be available anywhere you can get the podcast apple podcast um spotify anywhere they will not be available on youtube for now, at least, I just want to get a better quality camera, then maybe record from there. Um, apart from that, I'm going to try my best to keep a weekly schedule. Um, I apologize for missing the weekly schedule last week, but it won't happen again. Um, I also wanted to say um, uh, to Tyler McGuire, my previous guest, um, he was my first guest, really nice guy. He unfortunately lost his uh, fight um, on one, uh, sorry, at one with the organization one, should I say, not at one, um, on TNT. One on TNT, he lost his first, his, uh, his uh, fight. Um, uh, it was a big fight for him. I, I'm sure he's devastated. I spoke to him briefly on, on Instagram and I hope he's okay um, and recovered well so that's that and uh, yeah hope you guys enjoyed the interview and uh, I'll speak to you next week enjoy so hello everyone welcome to the Swing for the Fences podcast I'm with Jeremy Mitchell today um, he is a professional MMA fighter of course he has a professional record of three and one he has a fight May 22nd. Am I right, Jeremy? Yes, sir. May 22nd, Kingsport, Tennessee. And uh, he's coming off um, a fight quite recently as well. He's going to go into another fight not too far away. So, Jeremy, first of all, I mean, it takes quite a lot of guts and <laughs> the courage to go from losing your first fight to just jumping into the next one. What's the thought process behind that? Um. For me, it's like, 
you, you can't, uh, I'd heard someone say this before and it was, you can't attach your uh, ego to the outcome. And <clears throat> so, you know, you control a lot of things. Um, for me, I try to control everything in my preparation. That's where I truly obsess over. I almost forget about the event up until the day of the event uh, or, you know, fight week when it becomes obvious. Most of the time my head is stuck in just the preparation of what I could do day in and day out. So for me, it's almost just like, a, you know, coming off of a win uh, almost feels the same. Taking my first loss was the most bitter thing that I had to deal with. So I'm kind of really just excited to get back in there and, you know, show that it was a fluke and that, um, that you know, I, I can improve, cover those mistakes, and they won't happen again. And I feel like there's no better way to show that than to take the course of action immediately before – um, before I would forget about it, essentially. I guess what I mean by that is before the taste of defeat leaves my mouth, there's no better teacher than defeat, and I don't want to miss my lesson. I feel like the best way to put it into practice to learn the lessons that I learned through that fight is to practice them and then have to execute them very quickly after. Um, so for me, the quick turnaround is more of just to show people that, you know, I, I think it was a mistake and I would like to hurry up and get back in there, get this win, and then hopefully get back in the title shot pitcher and get my rematch for the belt again. Yeah. So. And uh, I, I like your mentality. It's very like uh, Donald Cerrone. He has that similar mentality of I get the loss and I move on and then I come back. But um, uh, following your loss, did, what was your immediate thought? I'm going to go rematch this guy immediately or is it like a long term, eventually you fight him again? So first thought, like immediate thought was, damn. Uh, second thought was, um, you know, I mean, I was, I was super upset, but I, I always keep it to myself that like, um, you know, I go to the locker room, I, you know, I have my little time to collect and be sad about it. But once I like walk back out of the locker room, it's not up to me to get to be set, upset anymore. The, my time to control that, uh, that situation is past. I've got to move forward. And I don't get to bring everybody else down with me just because I had to, you know, feel defeat. Second thought I had was, you know, it's it's one loss, um, you know, no big deal. I'm still going to end up like 40 and one. So it's yeah. fine. But out of those, you know, 40 wins, I would really like to see the, um, you know, his name in my win column. Just that yeah. way I have any, um, you know, any losses that haven't been advanced. It's nothing towards him. Uh, I like the guy. But, you know, I, I would really like to have a chance to rewrite that, hopefully sooner than later. Um, but if it happens 10 fights down the road, it happens 10. If it happens two fights down the road, it happens two. If it's up to me, I would get it after this upcoming fight. And uh, I noted something interesting. Um, obviously, I watched the whole fight, and uh, I, I really appreciated the fact that they gave you the opportunity to speak in front of mm -hmm. the crowd with the microphone after, like, they don't usually do that. Like, UFC don't usually do that most of the time when the fighter loses. I appreciate the fact that they gave you the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that, the production value of the event was actually really good. Um, and, and everybody was super easy to work with. So I was happy that they gave me that opportunity. I know a lot of fighters don't want that opportunity because, you know, we don't prepare, uh, you know, loss speeches. We prepare yeah. victories. We don't really prepare what to say. So kind of you're just speaking off the top of your head. And a lot of times, spiders aren't very good speakers anyway. So 
But the way I look at it is you don't just get to face the crowd when you win. Um, you know, for me, I had sold a bunch of tickets. I have a lot of people out here. I have a lot of people watching at home. I owe them something uh, more than, you know, just walking out and hanging my head down. So, yeah. And in terms of uh, your contract and fighting with different promotions, are you looking to find one long-term um, promotion to stay in or is it like bouncing from promotion to promotion for now? uh ufc uh all the way yeah. is what i what i aspire for um I, i was gonna push really hard for it after this last one and um i just like i said it didn't go my way so for me i feel like to win this one avenge that uh, would be a pretty good case to get me on the contender series i would like to make a career in the ufc so yeah, and, and uh, other major promotions you wouldn't be interested in there's only one uh, for you uh up until the u i mean the ufc is regardless of the route that I take, it's kind of my main focus. Um, but I also have other goals that, you know, I would have to uh, obviously fight outside of the UFC to reach. Um, I just kind of assume that they would happen on the way to the UFC. Like, yeah. um, I'd love to fight for CFFC, uh, island fights in, like, Florida. I've, I've always wanted to fight overseas, so I would love to fight for, like, a Brave FC. Um, you know, so a so bunch of different promotions. I'm I'm just interested in a fist fight and whoever offers me the most money to do it. But in reality, yeah. I know that the UFC is where you get most of the spotlight and where, you know, the people will say you're truly the best when you hold the title. I know that Bellator has great fighters. I know that PFL, CFFC, all these promotions have great fighters and all of them could be the best on any given night. But the general public gives the title of best to the UFC. So, that's my main interest is to go there because for me it's it's a lot about money but it's mostly about respect um, yeah. and just being known as a good martial artist i assume your legacy as opposed to mm. just money and yeah and uh one thing i noticed about you is that you're quite tall for featherweight you're five foot nine is there ever going to be a, an opportunity if it comes to it obviously would you go to lightweight so it would be a hard opportunity. Like it would, it would probably be really hard. I walk around at like 165, 166, uh, between 65 and 68. Um, and actually, not the fight before this previous one, I had fought at bantamweight. Um, okay. So, and uh, that was what I had anticipated being my forever weight class, and or at least until I'd got in, you know, in my 30s or to where it was just hard for me to make the weight. But after my first time making the weight, I. Uh, is just like a lot of complications. I didn't feel good. Um, had um, a lot of headaches after, like after the fight, and I didn't even absorb any like headshots. Yeah. Uh, and then I had like a lot of back pain, and then there was just a lot of negative health effects. And I because I'd had to get to such a low body fat percentage, so I'd got to like three point three percent body fat for the fight. And a lot of people say that like, um, and that's like a bodybuilder fat percentage. They say that bodybuilders, you know, all they look their best, they feel their worst. And I absolutely yeah. give up pain now because, like, I felt good when I competed, but the whole time up to that, it was like I would have to give myself a pep talk just to, to walk into a building because my legs would just constantly be fatigued. And so it was kind of like a diminishing return with making Bantamweight. Um, if Featherweight ever became like that for me, then I would definitely move up to Lightweight. But right now, I think I could think I could stay at featherweight for at least uh, five years. I would say. Yeah, 
And uh, have you had an opportunity to maybe spar with 155ers? Maybe you feel them a bit bigger, or is it, is it no difference mm-hmm. to you? Uh, actually, my uh, my main sparring partner is a uh, 155 to 170 pounder, and then my okay. other sparring partner is a 145 to 155 type guy. So usually I'm the I'm either the shorter or the you know less bulky person at all times in my home gym. So it feels really good when I get in there to compete and, um, you know, at least the same size as the guy. So, yeah. Uh, And uh, finally, before I let you go, um, I was really uh, sort of impressed by how you firstly handled the loss because obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, is there there, uh, something going into this fight that you know that you've improved upon already or is it like, well, I'm just going to go do what I do best? So, um, always trying to improve, always trying to improve, always trying to get better at everything. But this time I would say that the change happened here. Um, I've always been good. I just didn't know it. Um, there was a lot of areas that I could always write off as, um, you know, had, had we fought four more times, what would have happened? You know, uh, would I still finish the fight the same way? And so my last fight gave me enough ring time to really realize how I fight. And because, you know, up until that point, all my fights had been a first round finish within the first two minutes. So getting to go into the second round and experience that for the first time as a professional taught me a lot about myself. So if I had to say anything in particular, it was that every guy that I fought before now was fighting a guy that didn't think he was good. Like I've said, I, you know, I said it, I posted, I tried all these things, I, but I didn't deep down believe it. Um, it was me, more of me trying to convince me. And this time I, I finally feel like I know that I'm good. And so I guess it's, I'm unapologetically good. I'm, I'm no longer waiting for somebody to give me permission to be like, hey, you're good. No, I'm good at this. This is what I do for my living. So it's the next, you know, how many ever people I fight, before I end up retiring one day, will have to fight a me that has confidence now. So I imagine that, uh, like GSP said, you know, having skills without confidence is like having money in the bank with no card to access it. So got my card now, and all these people are in danger. So And and after a loss, it's quite rare that someone gains confidence after a loss. It's quite impressive. Mm -hmm. And, And like, it felt weird. I felt like I shouldn't have gained confidence. It felt wrong. I was like, you know, it's not very normal, but, you know, I went out there, I, I put on a good show. I didn't really absorb any strikes. Um, and it just, you know, I, I burned a lot of energy. I wasn't very um, wise with what I did in the first round when it came to that. And I think it was a lot of people think it was because of how I had finished so many people in the first round that I thought I could just go out there and do that to him. When in reality, I had a lot, a lot, a lot of respect for the guy I fought. He, um, he had fought his second pro fight and I got to watch it live one year before I even made my amateur MMA debut. So for me being in there competing with him as, you know, uh, an equivalent was a big deal for me uh, mentally because it was like, in my eyes, how am I ever going to be able to hurt or compete with the guy that I watched when I was a kid? And, you know, I got in there and I busted him open and I saw it and I was like, you know, obviously I knew he was human, but in my head, I just, I, I don't know. I just thought that he would, uh, he was like a cyborg or something. I'd made him out to be some, some monster that uh, was unbeatable. 
And I'll never do that again because I realized that I am just as good as these guys and I am where I'm supposed to be. And that's what I took from it. And, you know, with a few little um, corrections and not overusing my energy, I think that I could completely change the outcome of that fight and a lot of fights moving forward. So you mentioned, uh, because you mentioned earlier that the fact that you were watching your opponent, future opponent, when you were an amateur. Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed you had a very extensive MMA record, uh, uh, amateur record, should I say. Um, mm -hmm. That transition from amateur to professional, was it hard for you, considering you had such a, a long, already career in amateur? Mm -hmm. How was that uh, transition? So, I thought it was going to be bigger than it was. Um, but honestly, it's like when you sign the contract, it feels like any other fight. So I, I was relieved to because I, I thought it would feel like a whole new pressure and everything. I, and my actually my MMA, uh, amateur MMA background goes farther than like tapology even shows. I think it has uh, half of my, literally like half of my wins recorded. I, I finished my amateur career at like 14 and seven and um, technically started out 0 and 3. Um, yeah. And then I had boxed prior to that. When I was like 12 to 16, I used to box. But when I turned pro, I thought it would be so going from boxing to amateur MMA was a more of a scary jump than amateur MMA to pro MMA. Because for my first amateur fight, uh, you know, there's so many variables compared to boxing to consider. So, like the first time I fought, my hands went completely numb. I was, you know, I thought I was going to get in there and just like pass out. It was scary. Yeah. But Uh, my first amateur, I mean, my first professional MMA fight, by that time, I had kind of learned to control it, and it just felt like a normal fight to me. Um, winning, it felt surreal because I just never, you know, put myself in the situation in my head, or I'd done it so many times in my head that I'd won my professional debut that I never really thought I would live it. It seemed like a moment that uh, would never come. And so when I won it, it was very, uh, very surreal. And then, you know, same with, like, my first professional title or any fight, honestly. But, no, the first professional fight wasn't near as bad as the first amateur fight. Yeah. So. so, I want to say thank you, first of all. And uh, I hopefully we'll speak after May 22nd, after your first fight, after your, well, your next fight. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to say good luck and uh, hope you get that W again. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'll come back anytime. You just let me know. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. Bye. Yes, sir. You have a good one, man.